Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Y'all, it feels so good to be home. I've been traveling around all over the place, it feels like, the last, uh, the last month. And, and there's something about being in this place that is very, very special. I mean, we're, we're in here, right, singing about being saved by grace. I drove by, um, don't worry, what I'm about to say took place outside of Clanton before I got there yesterday, okay? But I was driving back to Selma yesterday through Clanton, and before I got in, I saw a church sign. And have you ever seen a church sign where you didn't know whether you should immediately start laughing or crying? My response is usually to laugh first and then recover afterwards. I saw a church sign that said this. It said, sin, period. A short word with a long sentence. Y'all, thank God that we go to a church that knows that the cross happened. Because if, if, that, was, if, it was, if that was it... There would be one person in heaven, Jesus. And all the rest of us would just, wouldn't be there. And so thank God for this place. And and I'm happy to be here this morning. And the important thing is not that I'm here. The important thing is that the Holy Spirit is already in this place. And so Holy Spirit, we thank you for already being here. And Holy Spirit, this is your house, not ours. And so have your way today. You know what you got cooked up. You know what we need. You know what you want to do. And we just right now bow before you and say that we are your vessels and nothing more. Nobody in this place came to hear a fancy sermon or anything like that, God. We came here to have a direct encounter with the true living God. And so reveal to us truths about your word. Speak to us and whisper to each one of our ears things about our lives and about who you are. And may you get glorified in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, uh, the the sermon that that I have on my heart uh, for today is uh, kind of building on where we were a couple of weeks ago when Matt was here speaking. Um, I was very convicted by his message about being on mission everywhere that we go, loving others everywhere that we go, serving others everywhere that we go, that we don't need to go to the other side of the world to go do that. It's great to do that, and we can testify to how amazing that is, but that we can be on mission right here. I was very convicted by that message, and I want to build off of that a little bit. And so... Today, what I want to do is I want to speak on a a principle of the kingdom of of God that we all have heard about, but I'm hoping that by talking about it in this context, we'll learn some new things about it. And so I want to take the context of what Matt was saying about serving others and loving others and look at the principle of God's kingdom of sowing and reaping. Now we've heard, we've all heard this concept of sowing and reaping. Most often in church, I've heard it applied to financial sowing, financial giving. Um, we've all, you know, seen televangelists and stuff who come on and they say, sow a seed, you know, sow a seed of a thousand dollars and God will give you a million. Now that's, that's,
that's not what I'm planning on, on, on speaking on today, okay? Bob might come up after and, and, and do that, but I, it would be kind of out of blue jean tradition, so if the spirit move anyway. But I, I do want to say, I, as much as we joke about that, there is truth in the fact that when we sow financially into God's kingdom, that we do reap from that. I don't want to poo-poo it just because some preachers have exaggerated elements of it. And so if, if you look, for instance, at our first uh, scriptural foundation for today, if you've got your Bible with you, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, in this, in this letter, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's, he's writing in this particular moment in chapter 9 about the fact that this church said that they were willing to give a, quote, generous gift to Paul to advance the kingdom of God. And let's read about what Paul has to say, and we'll, we'll break this down a little bit. Paul says, and we're going to start in verse 6. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, a few things here. First, um, I learned the hard way from a member of our, our ministry team while we were in Honduras. No, I don't want to point any fingers. Mary, excuse me, sorry. But, uh, but I'm not going to pretend to sow seed because I have no idea how to do it either. Was it, wasn't it you that the kids called out? Or was that Nia that the kid? Yeah. Mary was doing a demonstration of planting seed and, and talking about uh, sowing seed. And the kids had to demonstrate to her how you actually sow. I have no idea, okay? If anybody wants to know, I'm sure David could come up and, and give me some, some help on that. I have no idea. My idea would be throw it up in the air and it, and it lands where it needs to go or whatever. But in the context of where Paul's talking about right here, what he's saying is that I love this line. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In God's kingdom, and he's talking about this in regards to financial giving. When we give a gift or sow financially a little bit, we will be blessed beyond what we can imagine. If we sow generously, we will reap generously. If we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. Now, in the context of that, it is 100% true in regards to financial giving. But that's not the limited, that's not when we only preach the principle of sowing and reaping in the context of financial giving, we are limiting what God is intending to say about this. Keep a finger there, but turn also with me to Galatians chapter six, which would be our other key foundational scripture for today. Galatians 
because what we'll find is that here we see the same principle of sowing and reaping in a different context. And we'll start to understand its broader meaning and application. And so look with me in chapter six of Galatians, verse seven. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper or appointed time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now you'll notice here that in this context, Paul is not limiting that application of sowing and reaping to financial giving. He's applying it to all acts of doing good for others. Let me read verse 10 again. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In other words, I want to shift our mindset a little bit. I want us to see the acts of goodness that, that Matt was telling us and, and urging us to do. That is the same as sowing a seed in the kingdom of God as giving our tithe or giving our financial offering. The same concept applies to it. What does sowing look like? Sowing does not only look like putting money in a basket at a church. Sowing looks like all the acts of kindness and love and service that we do and see on a daily basis. The number of, I, I was thinking about what does this look like in operation? And I started thinking about our boy, Gary Chapman, the five love languages dude. There are so many ways for us to serve and express and share the love of God with other people. Physical touch. How many times have I seen Bob hug somebody and they break down crying because they're experiencing the presence of God? That is sowing a seed in God's kingdom. How many times have I heard, have I had been having, there was one day I've talked about it many times when I was struggling last winter. I was trying to hide in church. Has anybody ever hidden church? It's, I'm not very good at it. People can read my face immediately. But I tried to sneak out the, the church at the end of service and Ryan Bergeron was waiting in his truck and he said, you, come here. He called me over and he said, this is what God told me while you were in service today. And I, thank God he gave me a hug because otherwise I would have had a concussion, passed out, falling and hitting my head on the sidewalk. Each one of those acts of kindness and goodness is sowing a seed in God's kingdom. Us serving and doing good is not just because we are slaves and God is master. We don't just have a gun to our head saying, hey, you better go out and do good or you're going to hell. We don't have that. What I'm trying to tell you is that when we go out and do good for those around us, when we love the people around us, we are sowing a seed in God's kingdom. And so what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Are we cheerfully giving and serving when we go and minister to other people? When we do what Matt was talking about and we serve those around us, are we doing it cheerfully? Because here's what I want to tell you, is that we don't need to be doing this from a place of lack. Look at what Paul says. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Y'all, I was thinking, I was thinking about, we got time for story time today? All right. I was, one summer I was living uh, in Tennessee, in Murfreesboro. It was the first time I'd ever lived in the South, first time I'd ever lived outside of Boston. And my parents came down to visit. And I got the day off from work on the 4th of July, and, and we decided that we were going to go explore this wonderful place called Chattanooga, Tennessee. We were very excited to drive down there. And everyone told us, while you're in Chattanooga, you got to go to the best barbecue restaurant in the whole state. Sticky Fingers. I don't know if anybody's ever been to this place. All day, we were super excited looking forward to ribs, excited to get the, the meat and all this good stuff. We showed up in the afternoon, sat down at a table and we were like, Lord have mercy. Where are these ribs at that we've been hearing so much? The waiter walked up and said, got bad news. We are out of meat. We don't have any ribs. We got nothing really for you. My mom ended up eating for lunch what was called a barbecue baked potato. And it brings, heart, it brings me pain to my heart just thinking about someone at a restaurant eating a barbecue baked potato. But the key is, is that that restaurant could not give us ribs because they didn't have any. And so they gave us a barbecue baked potato instead. What I'm trying to say is that we can't give to other people what we don't have ourselves. So where do we receive if... if God's calling for us to serve others and act and express and share his love. How do, we, how do we do this? I bet every single one of us in this place has experienced trying to give and love others from a place of lack and deficiency. Um, Rock Hobbs described it as the, the, the room of striving. It's like operating from a place of emptiness all the time. But I want to show you a couple of things. I love a, a teaching that I, I saw in Boston one time when they would, oftentimes they would look at the cross and they would say that not only was this where Jesus was crucified, but it also was symbolic of the horizontal, our relationship with each other and other believers and other, other humans here on earth and the vertical, our relationship with God. What I want us to see is that every time that we minister in the horizontal, every time that we share love with each other, we need to be first receiving that from a vertical relationship with God. This principle shifted my entire life. That if I sow into that vertical relationship, God sows into me and I reap a radical harvest. What does sowing into God's, into that vertical relationship with God look like? It's different for each and every one of us. It's different at different times for each and every one of us. 
It might look like reading the word of God. It might look like speaking in tongues. It might look like worshiping. It might look like going on a walk and talking with Jesus. All of that stuff is time that we sow into God's kingdom, into that relationship with God on a vertical basis. When that happens, we experience radical harvest in our hearts so much that we have an overflow and abundance that we can then go out and share with each other and share with other people. And so what I'm trying to say is this, is that every time that we serve one of our brothers or sisters here on the earth, we're sowing a seed for God's kingdom. But we can't sow any seeds that we have not received from God himself. <laughs> now, now that would be a messed up system if the Holy Spirit didn't exist. First Ephesians 1.4 says this, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God is not, uh, 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 he does not sow sparingly into us. He sows generously into us so that we, not so that I can sit back and, 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 and get fat on God's seed for myself, but so that I can go out and share it with other people and so that we can. Reinhard Bonnke used to say it like this. Jesus did not die on a cross so that we can sit on a couch and eat potato chips the rest of our lives. He did it so that we can go out and share the love that we ourselves have received. I love this principle. Let me show you it applies to so much. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3, and 4 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. In other words, when we're going through stuff, God, from his abundance and all sufficiency, gives us comfort. Why does he do it? So that we can then share the comfort we receive with other people who are going through similar stuff. Dan, you're an exa you, what you just preached on is that. You yourself have experienced that comfort and love from God. And now you are taking your testimony and your, experiencing, your experience and sharing it with other people. That's that in direct operation. Taking what you received in that vertical relationship and sowing it horizontally. And oh my God, I just kind of, I kind of want to just speak to you, but I'm going to speak to everybody, okay? Because this applies to each of us. But here's what I want to tell you is that oftentimes, sometimes when I was in church back in the day, I would hear people talk about, oh, we need to sacrifice for God. We need to sacrifice. Are you sacrificing for God? Are you paying the price? Are you paying the cost? But here's the thing is that when we sow, it is not a totally selfless act and sacrifice. 
Because God's word promises us that when we sow, what happens? We got it. What I'm trying to say is that every time that you go out and give part of yourself to someone else, God is going to reward you for that. Now, it might not, what does, we've talked a little bit about what sowing looks like from this biblical perspective. What does reaping look like from this biblical perspective? We have to understand that sometimes reaping does not look the way we want it to look. And sometimes it doesn't come in the way we want it to come. And sometimes it doesn't come in the time we want it to come. But who knows that God's ways are higher than our ways. He knows what we need so much better than we do. And so we might think, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow a hug into this person so that when I'm having a bad day, somebody will sow a hug and a high five. I can't think of it. That was a bad example. Um, I was going to say and a kiss, but that'd be kind of weird. So you get, you get the sense, okay? Because it says that what we sow will come back multiply. You see, I was getting in a pickle there. Okay. Amen. You get the concept. Cool. So when we go out and sow that seed, it will come back multiplied to us, but not necessarily in the same form. What are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say that if you put a dollar in the collection basket, it won't necessarily come back as $10 in your pocket the next day. Now we have testimony after testimony of that happening, but I'm trying to say that it, God's reaping is not, God allowing us to reap is not limited to that capacity. I've found in my life that if I give in certain areas, God will allow me to reap in other areas. If I sow in, in, in sharing a word of encouragement with somebody, God will allow me to get a word of encouragement from somebody else or directly from him. But sometimes I get what I really need instead of what I thought I needed and what I thought was coming. And so let's look at what the Bible has to say about this process of reaping. If you look at where we were in Galatians chapter six, look at verse nine. It's a verse that will and should encourage each and every person in this place and each and every person who reads it every time we read it says this Galatians chapter six, verse nine, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. What you'll notice is that in that there are certain things we can learn about reaping. First of all, it says at the proper time. Some versions say at the appointed time. We can't do a limitation and limit God to say, if I sow today, I want this tomorrow. It's the appointed time. And so reaping sometimes requires patience. It sometimes requires waiting. It sometimes requires perseverance. Look at what it says right here. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. It requires faith from us in order to, re in order to reap all that God wants us to reap. 
let me tell you something right now. You will reap what you sow. It says it right there. It might be in a different context. It might be at a different time than you expect. But God is true to his word. And we will reap what we sow. We will. It doesn't play around. We will reap what we sow. And think about the beauty of this context. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Jesus, make us radical sowers in the name of Jesus. Right now, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and shift the hearts of everyone under the sound of my voice that we will be radical sowers for your kingdom. Because we know that if we are radical sowers, we will reap radically. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your spirit moving right now in our midst. Amen. The last thing, and, and, and I'm coming close to where, we, where, we, where we're going to end today. Is that God will never do something. We were created in God's image. He will not expect us to do something that he himself won't do for us. And so if we want to see what sowing looks like, doing good for all people and sowing seeds through acts of goodness, how about we look at God? God has everything, everything. If we need money, he's got it. If we need people around us, he'll send them. It's not a problem for God. There is nothing God could have given us that would have cost him anything except giving his one and only son, Jesus Christ. He gave the thing that mattered most to him, gave it for us. And what about Jesus, our example here on earth, anointed, by, anointed with the Holy Spirit, showing us what it looks like for us to do the same thing that he did and to follow his example. Jesus went on a cross for each and every one of us, laid down his life, and it was not a cheap price for him. When he sowed the seed that allows for you and I to experience the Holy Spirit right here and right now and to have eternal life in heaven, it cost Jesus everything. We don't talk about this enough. Jesus was not only beat physically, not only did he suffer physically, but he was tormented mentally taunted by people. He was abandoned by those who loved him. He was even abandoned momentarily by God himself. Father, why have you forsaken me? He experienced all of that for you and I.
God will never require from us what he himself is not willing to pour out for us. And so when we think about sowing, we think about that. Because think about what we have been able to reap because God sowed that seed. And so here's my question for us this morning. And I'm not preaching at you. This is what the Holy Spirit's been working in my heart on. And this is for, for all of us. Are we people who sow sparingly or generously? We don't, we don't talk about stuff like this often because I think especially in, um, I've noticed this isn't true in every culture, but I, I think it is true in certain cultures here in the United States that we don't talk about something that each and every one of us will experience, which is that each and every one of us in this place, at some point, this time on earth is going to end for us. And each one of us afterwards is going to experience and be in front of the throne of Jesus Christ for judgment. Now, for us that have given our lives to Jesus and believed, we don't have to worry about the judgment of our souls. But each and every one of us that has believed during our time here on earth will be judged for the things that we have done while in the body. Whether we have sown to please the spirit or sown to please the flesh. And I know we don't, I know, I know, you know, I'm probably going to get in trouble for talking about this, but if, if this is true, we don't, we don't know how much time we have on earth, but I know that when that time comes for each of us, afterwards, we will have to stand and give account for each and everything that we've done. Now, thank God, all of us have been covered from the, from the sin and all that stuff. But this is what it says. This is the way that, that, that it says it in Corinthians. God is going to look at what we have built on the foundation of Jesus. Are we building out of straw and out of wood? Or are we building out of soul, out of silver and gold? If we are sowing here on earth, we will reap here in our lives right now on earth. But there's a much more important reaping that will happen in our future. And it's glorious. It's good. This is, a good, this is good news, not bad news. It's a good thing that that day is going to come. And so what I'm encouraging each and every one of us to do, and, and, and for some people we think, okay, that means that I need to go every moment. I need to run around and, and do everything as much as I can and pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out. Remember, it's not a quantity thing. It's a quality thing. Are we serving and sowing the way that the Holy Spirit is telling us to sow? Because we can only sow good seeds if we ourselves are receiving those good seeds from God. And think about the, the, the parable of the sower. God in that context, he did not only plant his seed and, and sow his seed on good soil. He sowed so generously. 
in all different things. And so are we sowing seed into all kinds of people, in all kinds of contexts, in all kinds of circumstances? When it says sowing generously, we can sow generously into the people in our own household, into our family, into our parents, into our children, into our husbands, into our wives. We can also sow generously into our community. We can sow generously into the people we pass by. We can sow generously into all of that. But we can't sow what we are not receiving from God. This is, this is the way that, that it says it in Matthew 25, 23. This is the parable of um, the man who left and left with his servants various bags of money and bags of gold. He comes back and he says to the one who had two bags and gained two more and used them wisely, he says this, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. If we are faithful sowers, we will reap and continue. It's a beautiful flow. We receive, we give, we receive more, we give more. It's a beautiful process. But y'all, let's not look past the most important seed that God gave us and sowed for us. Miss Amy, would you, uh, would you mind um, having, having it ready? Thank you. Sowing is a fun and beautiful thing. When we sow, it should be fun for us. Cheerful giving, cheerful sowing. That's what we're talking about right here and today. You can leave them right there for me. Thank you, Ms. Ann. But y'all, let's not... Let's not forget about what God sowed for us.
word literally says this, that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, every time that we eat of this bread, drink of this wine, we are honoring and worshiping the way that God poured out for us on the cross. And so as we entered our time of communion, I ask that you remember and that each of us remembers the gift that God gave us in sending Jesus and in the gift that Jesus gave us by sacrificing and giving his life for us on the cross. And so from the back, if we would come, stand up and come and go around the, go around the edges from the back first, come on up. pray and we'll break.
worry about things like that church sign about a long sentence because you freed us from all of that. And so Jesus, we thank you and we honor that today. For I have received, what I received from the Lord, I shall also pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.